Welcome to the Agents of Innovation podcast. Where we feature conversations with entrepreneurs, philanthropists, and artists. Hello and welcome to episode 10 of the Agents of Innovation podcast. I am your host, Francisco Gonzalez, and I appreciate you tuning in. Can't believe I've reached 10 episodes here now. Only thanks to your encouragement and support. I uh, really appreciate you listening in. Uh, we have a great guest today, Davide Proietti. Uh, I'll just call him an international man of mystery. Uh, born and raised in Italy and now resides in Miami, and um, he is going to tell us a little bit about the company his family started and what he's doing uh, with it in Miami. Uh, it involves Italian planes, maybe some race cars, pretty exciting stuff. So anyway, um, I want to just quickly uh, thank you again uh, for those of you that have liked the Facebook page. If you haven't yet, go over to facebook.com backslash agents of innovation podcast, or just search for agents of innovation podcast in the Facebook search bar and uh, like it, share the page with others. If you can, if there's any particular episode or guest you've really particularly liked, feel free to share it on your own page and let people know and point them in our direction. And also I write a blog post about each episode. Uh, you can share that as well. Um, gives a little quick preview to uh, the episode and what our guests talk about. Also, if you're on Twitter, follow us at Agent Innovation uh, on Twitter and tweet with us and uh, share the tweets uh, with um, all your tweeters out there. So anyway, um, uh, if you're on uh, iTunes or Stitcher, you can find the Agents of Innovation podcast. I imagine that's how many of you are listening right now and appreciate you doing that and maybe grabbing your friend's phone and subscribing them to the podcast when they're not looking. I do that all the time. Uh, anyway, appreciate that. On episode nine, you guys heard from Melodyme. Uh, they, we interviewed the band, and they were fantastic. And uh, we are going to um, have uh, another song of theirs played at the end of this episode. We're going to play Red Light, Green Light, so it should be exciting. So in the meantime, stay tuned. We got ourselves a great podcast. Okay, now on the Agents of Innovation podcast, I want to welcome our guest today, Davide Proietti. Davide is uh, the international sales representative for OMASUD. That is a uh, uh, basically an aviation company, and they do a lot of things. Um, and he's going to tell us a little bit about it. Davide is based in Miami, where he uh, went to the University of Miami, a great school. Mm. And also, uh, he is at currently the second year of Florida International University's uh, College of Law. But Davide is originally from Italy, and he's going to tell us a little bit more about his story. Davide, welcome to the program. Hello, Francisco. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to uh, be speaking to you today. Well, it's a real pleasure for us to have you on. And, um, you know, Davide, I met you um, probably a little more than a year ago now. And mm -hmm. I, uh, uh, through my work at JMI, you were uh, in attendance at a, uh, at a program um, that we put on there at the uh, FIU Law School. And uh, and then later, I know we got together and talked a little bit more um, about your business and what you're doing here in the United States, uh, being that you come uh, from uh, a great, great country, uh, Italy, a uh, beautiful country. And um, and so I want you to um, you know tell our listeners a little bit about what you're doing here and a little bit about the background of uh, the business that was started by your dad. 
Yes, so uh, like you mentioned, the, the company Omasud, uh, it's an uh, aviation company. We, uh, we do manufacturing of uh, uh, general aviation aircrafts and, and uh, parts for larger commercial and military airplanes. The company, like you said, was uh, started by my father, who bought it from a, from a bankruptcy proceeding, and um, he basically restarted the company, renovated it. Uh, in the beginning, the company was simply a, an assembly plant, so there was basically uh, no engineering, there was no design, there was no uh, innovation at all. We would uh, the, just receive... Uh, um, you know, a third-party work order, and we would put it together and then deliver, and that was it. Uh, eventually, my father had the 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 idea the, to to realize that there was not a competitive um, uh, type of business model because uh, with the emergence of uh, uh, you know countries like China, Southeast Asia that have uh, uh, such a lower cost of labor and 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 still, they're they're uh, they're competitive in terms of technology and in terms of quality of the products, which is now uh, up to the the highest quality standards even for for Western countries. Uh, uh, it it was not it just wasn't gonna work at all. So we needed to we needed to add a little something. Uh, uh, and since in Italy we are I would say famous for our design and for the engineering, and we have this uh, tremendous uh, heritage of. Uh, uh, you know, innovation and fantasy. My dad tried to capitalize on that, so we started, um, uh, you know, going around the universities in Italy and the engineering schools and getting the uh, the best and brightest students and uh, trying to attract them to our company with this uh, with this project that we have. That is the result of. Uh, uh, years and years of experience that my father has in the aviation industry. Basically, what he thought about was to design a brand new uh, uh, airplane, uh, like I said, general aviation airplane. So it's a five-seat uh, uh, twin-engine aircraft. Uh, the the smart thing about it is that it can be used for a variety of tasks. So basically, the idea that my father had was to uh, look at an airplane from the perspective of the of the owner of the operator. If you if you spend some money, if you invest into purchasing uh, an airplane, what do you want to do? You want to maximize the return of your investment. And so my dad decided that the best way to go about it was to provide a product that was flexible, that could be used for many different types of, uh, uh, of missions. And, uh, and that's how the Skycar was born. Uh, the first time a pencil was ever put on paper was in 2003. And then after many years of uh, designing, engineering, testing, development, prototypes, and so on and so forth, in uh, 2011 we received certification in, the, uh, in Europe with the European Aviation Safety Agency. And then about one year later we got a certification from the FAA. So now what I am doing, this is when I come in the, in the picture, is uh, expanding the activities of the of the corporation in the United States by first uh, as a as a sales representative by you know uh, closing some sales contracts in the U.S., which is uh, the the largest market for this type of airplanes. Um, and second, it would be uh, ideal to establish a second completion line here in the in the United States. 
And we chose uh, Florida uh, out of uh, any other place because of its, uh, I would say because of its weather mostly, <laughs> which is... Uh, which is nice and which is also extremely useful for for uh, an airplane manufacturing company because it's uh, you, you can't fly when there's uh, when there's bad weather so you it's actually a requirement uh, to have sunny weather so florida's perfect for that well, except all those uh, afternoon thunderstorms right well yes but you know you can just wait uh, 15 20 minutes and they're gone <laughs> that's what they say you know if you don't like the weather in florida wait 15 minutes it will change Exactly, exactly. So um, aside from the weather, it's, uh, it's a great uh, strategic location because uh, this, uh, this type of airplane could have a, um, a great market in, uh, in uh, Central, South America and the Caribbean. And I mean, what, what better place than Miami, South Florida? It's a, it's a, it's a door. To, to access those markets. You're uh, within uh, a country that has, uh, um, you know, a, a respect, a tradition for uh, small businesses, for uh, entrepreneurs that is well-developed, that has a well-respected rule of law, and you're reaping all these benefits, and at the same time, you have a foot already into another huge potential market for your product. So really it was a no-brainer to select Florida. And as we, um, as we approached the local authorities, the, uh, the FAA and the um, Department of Economic Opportunities here in Florida, there's a, there's a whole different uh, uh, mindset, uh, I shall say, uh, and a whole different way to look at, at uh, industries, at corporations, at business owners. Than, than we found in Italy. In Italy, it's very difficult to uh, manage a business. There's a lot of bureaucracy, a lot of regulation, a lot of, uh, the way I call it is artificial obstacles because they, they don't need to be there and, and yet they are and they make your job uh, more difficult than what it should be. And here we found it um, a lot easier, a lot more straightforward. Uh, you know, talking to the authorities is uh, is uh, it's a breeze compared to Italy, uh, not because they're less strict or because they have different requirements, but just because they're they're more straightforward with you. There is no um, uh, there is no games. There is no time to waste. People here realize that uh, you're on a schedule. That time is money. And so when I go and speak to the FAA officers, they tell me, "Look, this is what I need to see. You need to ensure that the manufacturing matches with the design you need to guarantee me the safety of your products and then I'm fine and then I did my job and I'm not gonna be there to tell you how to go about it so long as you can show me that you're complying with these requirements in Europe it's, uh, it's uh, there's a lot of guesswork going on uh, there's a lot of mystery and uh, and so that makes uh, that makes things a lot more complicated than uh, than what they should be so, well, well, that's interesting because, you know, it's funny, I meet a lot of entrepreneurs, small business owners uh, here in the United States who, um, who, who, you know, one of their big complaints about trying to do business is, uh, you know, the regulatory environment, even in Florida, even in a, in a state that's more conducive. But um, you're saying even for all their complaints, um, for all the things they need to comply with and, um, you know, th uh, that it is much more expedited and straightforward here than it is in Europe. Yeah, I was going to say, they're complaining because they've never tried opening a business in Italy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Um, yes, definitely. I mean, certainly the United States is not a perfect country. There's still bureaucracy. There's still taxes you have to pay. But I mean, hey, that's uh, that's the way it is everywhere. It's uh, the, the perfection is out of this world. Uh, now, the the big benefit for us is that, like I said, uh, compared to our background, compared to our origins, uh, and especially given the current uh, economic situation in Europe, uh, the United States are, are such a better place for us to be. It is uh, it is a much broader market, and and like I said, the thing that that struck us the most was the the perception that, that that people have about about business owner here there's a uh, the, you're considered as a blessing because you're putting your capital at risk to create jobs and uh, and in Italy you're considered as an evil because you're you're a large corporation that's exploiting the workers so it's um it's a different view of the same activity in my opinion that it's much more progressive in the United States, much more current with the time, and perhaps a little, uh, a little stuck in the in the mean old days of early capitalism in Italy. That's what it seems to me. Very, very interesting. Well, um, getting back to your business, uh, um, I was able to get some of these brochures from you in the past, um, and seeing the images uh, both inside and out of these uh, really neat, small, private aircraft. Um, you know, one you mentioned, the Skycar, and uh, it's got uh, some really kind of uh, innovative design, as well as um, you seem to have a, a very nice interior design as well. Tell us a little more about uh, these aircraft, and who are your kind of target audience, your target market for this? Sure. Well, we have uh, currently three models. Um, one is uh, certified, like I said, in Europe in the United States, and that's the Skycar, which is our largest airplane. And that seats uh, about, what, uh, four plus the pilot? Yes, exactly. Now, the name Skycar is is, uh, is thought of because the airplane in, in many different aspects resembles uh, a car. Um, yeah. for, first of all is the seat arrangement, and like you said, it's a... Uh, it's five uh, five seats, so four passenger and one pilot, and the layout of the cabin is very similar to a car. So you have two seats in the front and uh, kind of like a three seat bench in the in the back, uh, and just like a car, we added some space uh, behind the the rear seats for uh, basically a baggage compartment or a trunk that not many airplanes have, um, because what happens in the in your typical general aviation airplane is that you, you enter from a very small door on the side, you're crammed inside, and then you need to sort of slide your luggage uh, in the back, and you know, you hit other people with it, and it's uncomfortable, and you don't have space for your legs or for your elbows, passengers get frustrated, and I mean, in the end, People flying on these airplanes are, I don't want to say extremely wealthy individuals because those would fly on, on private jets, but still, you know, they're not the average airline passenger and certainly they're expecting not to have to deal with, uh, like I said, a cramped space, an uncomfortable flight and, and so on and so forth. So what we tried to offer was, uh, uh, first of all, a nice design because, like I said, coming from Italy, people would expect nothing less than a nice design and um, and then to offer something that is comfortable for the pilot uh, and for the passengers as well 
Now, comfort for the pilot is important for uh, uh, safety because uh, reduced pilot workload means that the pilot can fly longer, that gets uh, less tired. Uh, the less uh, activities are required on the part of the pilot, the more you reduce the chance of human error, which is the main cause of airplane crashes. So the two main um, assets, I would say, on the, on the airplane are, one, yes, the comfort, the design, certainly. It's, uh, uh, it's an interesting shape. It's a nice, uh, it has a nice line. It has, you know, all the leather interiors and all the, uh, all the fancy uh, Italianness that comes, uh, that comes with it. But then, obviously, it's a, it's a machine that's operating, you know, in the middle of, uh, of the air, and, and it needs to be extremely safe and reliable. And, and so that was our, our, um, one of the main objectives as well. So we tried to uh, include uh, redundant uh, avionic instruments. Uh, we uh, went above and beyond the, the safety requirements imposed by uh, the EASA and the FAA. We tested the structure and the wings well beyond the, the advertised uh, structural limits. Uh, you know, we, we included within the design certain um, safety uh, uh, provisions that are not generally found in other uh, airplanes of this type uh, because we wanted to make sure to offer a new product that was reliable, that would carry a good name in the year to come. Very cool. Um, well, so tell me, so Davide, you are in your second year of law school. Um, yes. Almost every law student I have met have told me that that is enough for them to be doing during their time uh, of the year, uh, throughout the year, is, is just studying and going to class. Um, they, most law students do not have time for anything else. Here you are helping your family business in the United States. Uh, first, uh, tell me why you're in law school, and then also um, uh, let me know where, where are these operations and what, it, what specifically um, um, are you doing uh, uh, with the company in Florida? Mm -hmm. Okay, well, um, to answer your first question, law school, um, it was almost an accident for me. I, I stumbled upon it. I, um, I had considered it in the past, but I've never really been too serious about it. Um, like you mentioned earlier, I came here for my undergrad. I graduated at the University of Miami. And then I thought that I was just going to work in my family company and that was going to be my future. Uh, however, as we, um, as we came to the U.S., my father, um, before I graduated, tried to open um, one, or two, uh, one or two businesses that unfortunately were not successful. And the reason why they were not successful was that because he, he, he was not present enough, I guess, to, to uh, oversee what was going on. And what happened is that he got um, two uh, partners, uh, same story in the first and second case, that uh, turned out to be not as honest as we thought. There, uh, we realized that there was some um, magic accounting going on in the company. There were some funds uh, disappearing. And uh, unfortunately, you know, lawyers got involved and uh, it ended up in a lawsuit, um, two actually. And, uh, and so then I started realizing, I said, you know, it's uh, certainly it's a more business friendly environment, but nonetheless, there's, uh, there's sharks in South Florida. <laughs> so, yeah. so I realized the importance of having um, 
legal knowledge, not because I want to be a full-time lawyer, at least I don't know that for sure, but certainly knowing the rules of the game gives you a, a competitive advantage over someone who doesn't. You're, you're able, in a way, to identify potentially risky situations. You're able to protect yourself. Uh, you're able, since the beginning, to set up uh, an agreement, a contract, a cooperation in a way that shields you from, from liability. So the reason why I decided to go to law school is because I, I said, hey, I, I think that I need a little more knowledge than, than what I know about business and about finance and what my dad can teach me about airplane. I, I need something that no one else can give me other than professors in a law school. So that's how I ended up in law school, which, uh, yes, takes up most of my time. It's, uh, it's not a walk in the park. I, I enjoy it. It's interesting. It's challenging, uh, but it's time consuming. Um, however, you know, time for the company means uh, time for myself. This is, uh, it's, it's my company too, after all. It's, uh, uh, my father started it and uh, it's always been clear since the beginning that uh, the company was uh, not as much for my father as it was supposed to be for me and my brother. So my dad is setting it up. Uh, he did an amazing job, and I feel like now it's uh, you know it's 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 my turn, mine and my brother's turn to uh, to carry on the 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 torch, so to speak. Um, so I I do make time for it because it's in my own interest to do so. Uh, what I am doing here in the United States for the company is uh, is uh, is a twofold uh, effort. One is uh, uh, marketing oriented. So what I do is that basically I advertise products, I contact uh, potential distributors, and I try to uh, um, basically convince them of uh, of the capabilities of the airplane. I try to show them that. Even though we're new and even though, you know, our competitors have been around for some 50, 60 years and they employ thousands of people, that doesn't mean that our product is not competitive with theirs. And actually it is better because other products that are out there uh, have been around for 50, 60 years and they haven't changed much since the original design. The product that I'm bringing to the table was certified, like I said, five years ago and it includes, since its inceptions, newer technology that was never was never even thought of when the when when the other airplanes were designed. So inherently, it, uh, I I market it as a as a better product to begin with, um, and that's uh, I would say that's the greatest obstacle that I need to overcome, which is the the goodwill of the other companies. Uh, on the other hand, what I what I also take care of in the United States is the regulatory aspect of the of the business, which is uh, which is rather heavy. The, the aviation industry is uh, is uh, perhaps the most regulated industry that there is. It's even more regulated than the uh, healthcare industry. So for every for every part that's on your airplane, for every procedure that you have in your company, for every process for every nut and bolt that goes around there's a ton of papers that certify where it comes from what standards does it respond to uh, how it should be installed how it should be inspected 
when and how to repair it, if you can repair it, when it should be scrapped, and so on and so forth. Uh, what I am doing is uh, an effort of translation and transposition, so I call it, of the uh, uh, quality and operations manuals that we have over in Italy. It's a translation because, of course, what we have is in Italian and it needs to be in English for the FAA. And it's a transposition because the norms are not exactly the same. So what I do is that I, I, I take whatever we have in existence in Italy, I speak to the FAA representative here, I understand what their requirements are, I go ahead and uh, you know, use my legal skills, I guess, to investigate the uh, Code of Federal Regulations about the aviation, my uh, beloved Chapter 14. And um, and they read all the requirements that are necessary, and then, like I said, I, I adapt whatever we have in Italy, and I transpose it here for the setup of the of the second assembly line that I mentioned earlier. Together with this, there is also certain strategic and managerial decisions that I need to make. So, I need to find a location for the assembly. I need to find a hangar for the assembly, I need to find the workers, I need to set up uh, a corporate structure, I need to have uh, employees, I need to find suppliers. So there is a little bit of everything that goes, uh, that goes to it. And uh, yes, my title is that of, a, of an international sales representative, but I, I'm, I'm an international do-whatever-it-takes representative. <laughs> Well, great. Sounds like James Bond for a second. Uh, <laughs> I guess so. International man it's of fun. mystery. <laughs> well, uh, tell me a little bit about where this plane. Um, so, to get the plane to where it's to where it's at um, before someone buys it, where where does the production process start? Where are the parts secured? Um, what what's going on in different places? Well, okay. So, uh, building an airplane is. Um is a long and, uh, and complicated process. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like I said, there is, there is safety uh, reasons why that's the case. Um, the, the way the process starts is that, of course, you have an approved design, which in and of itself is a long and complicated process. But let, let's just skip that part for now. Uh, so once you have your approved design in, embedded within it is a part, it's a list of vendors, it's a list of suppliers, it's a list of uh, assembly instructions, procedures, tests that you need to perform. Now basically, task by task, operation by operation, you go ahead and, and you um, execute whatever is necessary since the beginning. Like I said, since this is a certified airplane, all of these processes and operation needs to be reviewed and approved and every time there is a change the changes need to be reviewed and approved by the uh, appropriate regulatory body which in uh, uh, in Europe is the uh, EASA and in the United States is the FAA that's what makes it uh, long and complicated other than the time to manufacture itself there is also the fact that if there is any non-conformity throughout the process. So, for example, I'm supposed to tighten a, a bolt to a certain uh, to a certain amount of uh, of uh, sealing power, and and that ends up not being the case. There's a deviation from from my design. I need to have a procedure in place that is approved that tells me how to deal with that problem. So do I show it to an engineer? Do I show it to a production supervisor? Is it a major non-conformancy so that I need to actually call the regulatory body and I need to have their engineers come over and check it? Who needs to take responsibility for the problem? 
that's why, like I said, it, it's a long and hard process because if the smallest little thing goes wrong, there is a chain of events that start from that little discrepancy that could be easily resolved or that could drag on for days, weeks, or God forbid, months. And that's that's a problem because, of course, if you if you can keep on with the manufacturing, if you can keep producing and assembling your airplane, you're you're wasting time because you still have to pay taxes, salaries, uh, you know, bills in the meantime, and you can't just stop the production line uh, every day. So it's a it's a it's a complicated process that needs to be extremely precise, well documented. Everything needs to be on point. I guess the most similar. Um, uh, procedure is the development of a new drug. Everything needs to be tested, everything needs to be supervised, and you know, the patients are subject to whatever medical examinations every once in a while. It's a, it's a very similar process for the airplane. Um, so at does, the end... I sorry. was going to ask you, is, this, uh, is the plane manufactured solely in Italy? Um, where, how, how are the part, where are the parts put together and, and, and where does everything start from? Okay, so the the headquarters of the uh, of the company are in Italy, um, and uh, I should say the companies rather because it's a it's a group of companies that operate together, uh, each of them with specific production capabilities. Um, the main uh, center for the um, aviation is um, is located in Capua, which is in the south of Italy, near near Naples, um, and um, basically what we do is that we have um, wholly owned subsidiaries that have, uh, for example, um, that manufacture the interiors of the airplane. So there, there's this one company that's called um, SKT Interiors that produces polyurethane foams. And what they do is that they do the stuffing of the seats and the mounting structure for the airplanes and the leather cover for the seats. So that nice uh, uh, Italian leather interiors that you see is uh, is made by SKT Interiors, which is a wholly owned subsidiary that then sends it to Omasud. And Omasud is the company that has the capability to do the design and to inspect the product to make sure that it conforms with the type design. Uh, there is another company, which is ATR Group, which is also a wholly owned subsidiary, which specializes in the production of um, carbon fiber and uh, um, composite materials. So, for example, the, um, uh, the engine cowlings, they're in, uh, uh, in fiberglass. Uh, they need to have certain strength requirements. They need to have certain... Uh, uh, um, Fire, uh, fire and smoke uh, um, requirements. So Omasud, as the headquarters with the design capability, sends the, those specification to the wholly owned subsidiary, which actually manufactures the part, sends it back to Omasud, where it's inspected, it's tested for compliance with the design, and then it's installed on the final product. So the airplane is born in Omasud. It is then uh, outsourced to the company with a specific production capability. The parts go back to Omasud for the final assembly, and then from Omasud we deliver to uh, to the customer. Now the good thing about um, the Skycar is that it's it's been designed to uh, 
to ship into uh, regular uh, containers. So that makes it easier to uh, to ship the airplane disassembled to everywhere in the world, basically. Whereas other airplanes, you need to fly them there, which is which is quite expensive because the flight could take days or weeks. These are are, are not jet airplanes, so you need to uh, you know stop five or six times along the way, pay for the hotel and living expenses for the pilot and 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 shipping by sea just makes much more sense for the company and for the client who doesn't have to pay all this extra extra costs so this uh this kind of plane if uh let's say i'm living in miami mm -hmm. um and i want to have this kind of plane uh what what kind of a daily you know uh how far can it can it fly and what what's the kind of uh you know expected daily use of of this kind of plane well, this airplane, uh, like I said, it's uh, it's kind of a general purpose uh, aircraft. It's like a flying jeep more than a flying car. Um, it can be used by private owners. Uh, obviously, if someone uh, uh, has an interest in purchasing a, a million-dollar airplane and is wealthy enough to do so, there's people who just enjoy flying it on Sunday for, for the fun of it. Uh, certainly, that's one possible application. Uh, the aircraft, however, is uh, is designed to do much more than that. It can land on unpaved airfields. It can stay in flight for over seven hours, which means that it can be used by uh, charter companies to do island hopping in the Caribbeans or to do uh, I don't know uh, emergency search and rescue missions and land uh, in the middle of uh, I don't know a desert or in the middle of, uh, uh, of the grass somewhere and load uh, a patient on the stretcher and take it to uh, the nearest hospital. Um, it can be used uh, uh, for patrolling by the Coast Guard. Uh, it can be used in a, in a variety of different environments, and, and that's what makes it um, an interesting and profitable machine, in my opinion, because when you... When you look, for example, at, at the typical charter company that flies uh, four or five people from, I don't know, Miami to Bahamas, uh, one of their main problem is uh, empty legs, which is that more often than not, you find the people that want to go from point A to point B, but then there is a scheduling conflict and you don't know when these people are going to come back from point B to point A, so you need to fly the airplane empty, and that's a worst possible way to operate an airplane because when you fly empty you lose money. Um, the Skycar allows the operator to easily switch from a passenger to a cargo configuration which means that if I take people from point A to point B and then I happen to have some goods or medicines or like I said a patient on a stretcher that needs to go from point B to point A I don't have to fly empty because I can just change the configuration of the airplane on site and adapt the same aircraft for a different type of mission, which is a which is a an interesting competitive advantage over any other aircraft of that size. Now, Davide, um, if I'm familiar with the last conversation, we had uh, part of uh, the production is done uh, somewhere in Southwest Florida. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. Um, Actually, I should say it will be done once the completion center is completely set up and operational. Now, we have uh, uh, selected um, a location in um, 
in Punta Gorda, which uh, may or may not be the final location depending on uh, you know, local authorities and permits that we receive and what the FAA has to say about it as well, which uh, uh, is uh, outcome determinative. Um, we are considering different locations in South Florida. Uh, Punta Gorda is uh, particularly appealing because uh, the Punta Gorda airport is uh, relatively underdeveloped and there is this great push from the local authorities to attract investments in the area. What, However, what exactly would what exactly would go on there um, in Punta Gorda? Like what what kind of uh, what what exactly would you all be doing there? Well, the idea is to set up, like I said, a completion center. So okay. um, in Italy is where we have obviously all the heavy equipment and the large machines to do all sorts of metalworking and welding and drilling and so on and so forth. Now, once those structural components are manufactured by the, the companies in Italy, they can be shipped as parts to the United States. And a problem that we have right now is that approximately 50% of the value of the parts of the airplane comes from the United States, meaning the engines and the uh, avionic systems, which are the most expensive uh, uh, components of the aircraft, basically, they're, they're made in the U.S. So what we do now, which is uh, not exactly optimal in terms of uh, cost and, and, and time, is that we purchase the parts from our suppliers in the United States, we ship the parts in Italy, and then if we have a customer in the, in the United States, we make the airplane in Italy, and then we need to ship the airplane back to the United States which doesn't make a lot of sense. It's a duplication of cost, a duplication of times. Um, there's more risks involved because you need to cross the ocean twice and, and there's no need for that. It's just easier to send the parts from Italy, whatever we make in Italy, to the United States into this uh, uh, soon-to-be completion center where all the final operation of assembly and installation of the uh, U.S.-made supplies will be performed, and then we're just going to paint the airplane, do a test flight, and deliver it to the customer. Well, that's fantastic, and I'll tell you what, we could probably be here a lot longer and keep on talking about every aspect of your business, because it's fascinating. I know there's a lot of markets opening up around the world for you um, in this kind of, especially this, you know, the 21st century here, uh, where more and more people are finding the ability to have a small private plane and also the need for a small private plane. So I think uh, you guys are definitely in the right market. Um, one uh, last fun thing I'll ask you is I think your company does a little more or your set of companies does a little more than just uh, manufacture planes. It, am, am I right to remember um, there might be some Italian race cars involved? Yes, there's uh, several actually <laughs> because of the similarity, I guess, between uh, uh, high-performance race cars and, and airplanes in terms of, uh, you know, choice of materials which need to be lightweight yet resistant in terms of uh, uh, aerodynamics involved. Uh, we have um, uh, several of our engineers that are working for the Red Bull Formula One team, the, the Toro Rosso, which is the Italian uh, team sponsored by Red Bull. And hopefully soon enough we're going to have uh, uh, a similar arrangement with the 
Ferrari racing team for Formula One. At the same time, we're manufacturing uh, parts in uh, carbon fiber for, I would say, all the major um, Italian automaker, uh, Ferrari, Maserati, Lamborghini, uh, as well as some uh, um, uh, championship racing car for BMW, uh, for uh, some uh, um, uh, Japanese automakers, um, so it's uh, it's uh, it's more than just airplanes, like you said. We have had uh, certain uh, requests for uh, for quotations on uh, on uh, luggages made in carbon fiber by Louis Vuitton. We've had um, requests for kitchen sets in carbon fiber. Uh, as far as the polyurethane foam company is involved, we've had the requests for um, some sort of an underwater diving uh, phone cover made with polyurethane. I'm not really sure exactly uh, what happened with that. I, I, to be honest, I didn't follow that engineering effort. But I found that funny how what started as a as an airplane company, and, and what, what is an airplane company mainly, is, uh, is contacted for this uh, uh, sometimes even completely unrelated uh, uh, requests uh, for quotations, which nonetheless, they fit within our production capability. It's, it's something that, you know, we can, we can design, we can do structural tests like we do them on, a, on an airplane, we can do them on a car, on a boat, or on a phone cover that goes underwater. So it's, uh, if, if we can do it, we're happy to do it. And we, we would never say no to a customer. Uh, it's, it's fascinating to me how the same knowledge and the same capability could apply across the board to, uh, to many different industries. And I'm sure that there's a way to, uh, uh, you know, later on in the future, capitalize on that. Well, I'm sure they've recognized your um, innovative uh, quality materials and design. And uh, that's really neat that it's being used in different uh, uh, kind of settings, uh, including those uh, Italian race cars, um, which mm -hmm. are always fun to watch. Uh, Davide, before we go, um, is there a website where uh, people can uh, visit to learn more about your company and what you're doing? Well, yes. Our, uh, like I said, there's more than one company, so there's more than one website. However, um, uh, going to www.omasud.it as in Italy will uh, will land the 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 user on uh, on the main company's website, which is Omasud's website, and then from there there's internal links to all the other uh, subsidiaries and, uh, like I said, what they do, the history behind them, and uh, and all the products and the current customers, which I think is. Uh, um, it's pretty interesting to, to look at. Like I said, someone will find uh, uh, next to a racing car, an airplane, and there's going to be a furniture set and, and luggage and whatnot. So it's a, it's a pretty interesting website. Well, great. We'll, uh, we'll take a look at that website. Again, as Davide said, it's omasud.it, omasud.it, um, and we'll definitely uh, take a look at that. And um, Davide, uh, it was, it's been great having you on. And as I was telling you before I invited you on the podcast, um, you know, when we met last year and uh, we got together and I learned all the different fascinating things about your company, I remember walking away um, from our, our meeting and I, and I thought to myself, gosh, I really wish 
I meet so many interesting people like yourself, and that was just a fascinating story. I wish uh, more people could be privy to learning about your experiences and situation and your entrepreneurial activity. And then I think about a month later, I, 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 I said, well, why don't I help people do that through, through a podcast? And um, so I'm glad that this has kind of come full circle because the conversation I had with you kind of sparked that idea in me. Um, back then, and uh, and also the fact that you're so young and you're involved. I know your your dad. You're following your dad's footsteps here with the start of his family business. But um, uh, people of your age uh, being able to take on so much while also, um, you know, in the middle of law school, which is not easy. Uh, it's it's quite impressive. So we're glad to have you in my home state and uh, Florida, and actually the city where I was born, Miami. Um, and so. Uh, where I know uh, many Floridians, including I'm sure our governor and everybody in between, is probably happy to have your business here um, in the state of Florida. And we really want, uh, we'll look forward to seeing it expand. And maybe we'll have you on uh, sometime again in the future to see uh, where this all develops. But I want to thank you today for, uh, for being with us on the Agents of Innovation podcast. Um, and if there's any last words you'd like to say, I'll give you the final word. Well, Francisco, I just wanted to say thank you for, for having me. It's, uh, it's been uh, both a pleasure and an honor. And uh, like you said, we all look forward to see uh, good things coming out of this expansion in Florida, uh, Floridians and us as well. So uh, we're all keeping our fingers crossed and working hard to make it happen. Great. Well, thank you, Davide, for being on the program, and uh, we'll look forward to it. Talk to you soon. Thank to you, Francisco. Have a good one. You too.
Tell me if I cross the line I'll restart the game a hundred times You yell green and I will run It's a red light, it's a green light 